Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm Paul, and I don't have anything good. Sorry. Oh, man. Uh, I'm Kevin, and I am War Games Agnostic. And uh, I'm Potter, and I am ready to rumble about Minis Agnostic Games. Ooh. Is that our topic tonight? Probably? That is our topic tonight. That is. Nice. I, I took Paul's tweet to me, segued it into our show. That's what we're talking there about. We Minis Agnostic prof- Games, one of Chops' Chops's favorite topics about that. But first, hobby progress. What have you gentlemen been up to? Ooh, I finished a unit of Depth Horrors for Kings of War, which, uh, hey, Minis Agnostic game. Uh, I mean, Mantic makes official lines, right? They have an official line for, I think, almost all the lines in the core book. But it also is in the rules of mini- Miniatures Agnostic game. So a while back, I spent mm, somewhere around 100 bucks on Miniature Market, and I bought 130-some-odd uh, Wrath of Kings minis. And I have been turning those, the House Hadros minis, which are all... Uh, nautical fishy themed uh, and i've been turning them into my trident realm of noretica army and i've just finished the first unit of depth horrors which are like street sharks they're the uh the model from uh from wrath of kings is called the pit fighters and uh, i've turned those pit fighters into depth horrors and mounted them on a uh very cool water base but that's what i did this week yeah every time you see put pictures of them up i want to go buy like shark bite like fruit fruit packs from like when i was a kid <laughs> that's what it makes me think yeah. of. i uh when i posted it into the kings of war group somebody posted like uh you know it's like a gift that was like jawsome and it was two street sharks <laughs> high-fiving and it got like as, almost as many likes as my post yeah i, I saw i saw that somebody did the same thing in the disc in our discord too mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so cool paul what have you been up to um, I, I'm doing a couple things. I'm still painting some Infinity models. Uh, I'm working on my MacRep tracker right now, my sniper. Um, all of his basic colors are blocked in, and I started shading. So he's he's coming along nicely. I've I've learned more and am apparently getting a little bit better with some practice. It's kind of crazy. Uh, the other thing I did, and this ties into tonight's episode, um, I picked up. Uh, some six millimeter models for Hordes of the Things. And uh, I spent some time kind of figuring out uh, the bases that I need to buy for. Yeah, boy. I'm so excited to hear about your journey into Hordes of the Things because we can do an episode about it at some point. Yeah, I'm excited. A while from now. Don't don't count on that being soon because we need to all come out of quarantine and I need to get at least four or five more games under my belt before I'm ready to talk about that game competently. Yeah, there's a there's a I I got the I uh somebody on Discord had tipped me off on where to uh pick pick up the hardback or the hard copy of the rule book. So I, I just shout got out that. who that was. That was Chris with that Slow Death Chris. Games. That was Chris, you were correct. Yeah, from Slow Death Games, um which was fantastic. It was inexpensive and I got it. So I I I have been able to to really feel like I can sit down and and look at it cuz I'm old and um I'm far more comfortable with a hard copy of the rules than uh, a pdf how about you potter what you've been up to uh selling my morals and uh by painting gw models uh <laughs> okay yeah 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 uh but here's the thing um it looks fucking fantastic i appreciate that yeah no i i'll i'll uh i'll end the guilt trip probably this week of me going back into gw after blasting them in our last what like three episodes ago um yeah i just well things you do for your kids but yes i i same as you i've been i've painted it up using a lot of new techniques i've been using the airbrush uh pretty much primarily on this primaris marine um ah uh, so I've never done it before, so I'm trying to do some, uh, like learning how to blend and, and stuff like that with the airbrush, uh, especially since it's yellow and since that's can be such a tricky color to, to brush paint on. So I, I figured I'd try it out. Um, it, it, I, I learned some things where with the airbrush where it kind of, the paint kind of dried on the inside cause I wasn't doing things fast enough and learning to, you know, slow down, you know, pull the needle, mm-hmm you know, clean those things out so I don't get splatter and stuff. Like, it, there's... 
I just can't keep pressing forward like you can with a, br uh, a brush to fix those mistakes kind of thing. So learning more about the br airbrush itself uh, during this whole process. So I think I think I've got a, a pretty good plan forward for the next unit. I just did a, a Primaris Lieutenant um, and worked with decals for the first time ever as well too on the model. So I was actually that was so simple. I don't know why I've never done it before. It was it was so simple and easy. Man, I tell you what, though, I'm I'm feeling you on that being scared of it because I'm terrified to start putting decals on my tanks for chain of command. Yeah, I, I mean, literally, it's just uh, take it. I just took a paper towel, folded it up so it was pretty thick, um, and then just you know cut out with my exacto knife and put the put the the decal on the piece of paper. Took a paintbrush blobbed on some water let it sit in it for about a minute and as long as you're going to flat surfaces you probably shouldn't have any problems just lift it up with a paintbrush make sure uh one of the things i saw on some some of the videos i was uh watching was saying uh put gloss varnish down first yeah i've seen that recommendation yeah and then make sure the area that you're going to put the uh the decal down is wet itself and then right. because it's easy the decal will move is the decal will not adhere as long as it is wet and the surface it's on is wet as well too so that way it allows you to continue positioning it to a point where you're ready and just move it around with ah, the paintbrush it was it, i see okay so i mean my i had some tricky things because i was working on shoulder pads which are rounded um and the yeah. and the imperial fist symbol is a has a continuous circle because, like, I know some of the tricks I saw in the past were, like, we'll just make a slash into the de into the decal so that way, you know, the decal will move and it'll, you know, it will hear flat. That's a little mm -hmm. trickier to do with a continuous Around circle. Decal. Yeah. Right. So it took some finessing um, to do, but it it came out really well. And then I just hit it up with some, uh, some matte varnish afterwards and took the gloss and shine away and he's looking good. I just, all I got left is to airbrush the power sword and he's, I'm calling him done. Sweet he, man. He, he does. He looks fantastic. I got to really put good. him up really on Instagrams. Good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I mean, nice. I, and I still got to do finish his base. I'm going to go with the Mars theme. Cause I think the, the, the red of the base will help uh, offset the yellow of the model since the two colors work so well together. So. Hmm. Yeah. That's, Probably true. Yeah, I grabbed, uh, what was it called? Uh, iron. Like my, my Martian Iron Earth. Yeah, there you go. The I Martian Iron Crust. So it's the one that's... Iron Crust. That's the crackly one. Or sorry, Martian Iron Earth. Yeah, the crust is the one that glops on, but does still... Yep. It still crackles a little bit. The Iron Earth crackles a lot, I guess. All right, cool. So, cool, cool. Yeah, so I'll have a hopefully... Probably not this weekend because I have my kids this weekend, but maybe next weekend I might have a, a full five-man kill team squad done. Nice. Damn. Nice. With the airbrushing, it's it takes so. It, I mean, it's that's the majority of the work, and everything else is just cutting in the detail. Oh right. yeah, I, I also painted a uh, a gene stealer cultist. Oh yeah, oh, I nice. forgot about those. You did share those pictures with us. Yeah, somebody if they if you want to send me three or four hundred dollars so I can buy more because I'm like loving painting them, but I just can't afford to buy <laughs> enough. That, so anybody out there is feeling feeling generous, I would definitely take a gene stealer battle force. Well, so that's that's, cult. that's funny that you said. So like, I'm sitting here yesterday painting, you know, the 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 remainder of some of the the trim work on this marine, and my son's like, "Ooh, it looks so cool! Are we gonna play today?" And I'm like, "Buddy, this is gonna be a while before we get to play this game with these models because this game's expensive, and Daddy's not that rich." <laughs> <laughs> like i got yeah. a unit and i had a leftover primaris marine from like my ultramarines army yep all and right you can, you, here's the thing though real quick uh you can you know you can do three aside and roll some dice yeah i mean that's probably what i'll do is i'll get the the 10 man squad together and yeah, you know put to uh, put down uh put down five dudes for him five dudes for me and i'll bring out like yep. give him the lieutenant and i'll take reboot gully and i'll be good to go <laughs> yeah and then just you know just just even out the stats just have everything oh dude every, everything everything yeah everything's just gonna be forced it's just yeah there's not gonna be any rules it's like here yeah. hit me on fours you can shoot yep. me you can hit me in a combat like i'll give him like two attacks for combat one attack for his gun boom yep. put some terrain yep. on the exactly. table and he'll have some fun and that's all. That's how. That's how you hook them. Well, it, or you could use the uh, miniatures agnostic game, uh, Grim Dark Future, the skirmish version, <laughs> which is pretty simple rules. Bringing us back on topic, there. I see. Yes, yes, yes. 
Uh, and before we get onto the minis agnostic time, let's, let, let's do game news. <laughs> game news. Uh, the first, <laughs> the first piece is talking about weird. Uh, it's, it's Waldo Wednesday since we're recording on Wednesdays now. Uh, and they debuted the Malasaurus Rex, um, which is, well, wow. Uh, that's a, that's a big model. You guys, it's huge. And these are, this is for the new faction, right? Yeah. In Titania. Welcome, welcome to the jungle. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean it says in there that Titania thanks to Titania's magic. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, Fey and Apex keywords. Yep. Yeah. So it's um, I don't, I feel ways about this model. <laughs> it's a little. Are you thinking it's, it's too much? I mean, so it's it's a model on a fifty mil base that looks like it deserves to be on a hundred and twenty mil. There, yeah, there's like there's so much overhang on this base. Yeah, I mean, it literally, it's one foot on the base. Well, and is this even for Malifaux? Because the the image... Now, I haven't read the article yet, but the image is... It is. Well, yeah. It is. Okay, I wasn't sure, because it's a Penny Dreadful... There's a there's a Penny Dreadful one-shot that's coming out with it. Okay, right? gotcha. Um, but it is definitely part of the Apex keyword for Malifaux. So, and which, um, one's, which one's Apex? That's the Explorer Society, Explorer one of their new keywords. Gotcha. Yep. Um, but yeah, that, I don't, I don't know how I feel. It's just, um, it's really big and the imagining maneuvering it around. It's just, it's, it's pretty. I'll say that it's a really cool sculpt. I like the sculpt and the artwork a ton. Uh, it's just, um, it's real big. That's a lot of tentacles coming out of his mouth. Yeah, it's big. Uh, so the next two pieces of game news have to do with uh, games workshop since, you know, ninth edition news is kind of all the rage right now. Yep. Uh, they spoiled a little bit about blast rules and a little about tanks. And we talked about the, both of these actually uh, a tiny bit in that first video because they, you know, they said the big guns never tire thing. Uh, and they talked about blast weapons and whatnot. So we saw the actual blast rules. And basically what it's saying is that if you're firing a blast weapon into more than 11 models, 11 or more, uh, you always get your maximum number of attacks. Uh, if you're between six and 10, you always get three, no matter how many attacks you get on your D six attack roll or whatever. Uh, and if you're one through five, you just get whatever you roll, which is cool, right? It kind of represents a blast weapon, having a greater effect on a, uh, larger chunk of models. It's needed. I think, I think that's, yeah. that's definitely something that is needed in that game. Yeah. I think they took the teeth out of artillery, uh, in eighth edition and this, this, uh, puts the teeth right back in. Yeah. I mean, I yep. never, I never played with a lot of artillery myself when we were playing eighth edition. So I didn't, I didn't feel the impact on this one, but I did hear like people that rumbling. Cause I think there was a guy in the community that I talked to this in our area. And he was a, one of the big tank guys, like his, you know, the Imperial guard, all tank army kind of person. And he had some rumblings about it. So I, I do know it was a thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and then the, the counterbalance to this, though, is that you can never fire a blast weapon while you're engaged, which makes sense, right? I said when we were off air, you'd never fire a shoulder mounted rocket launcher at something six feet in front right. of you. Right. Right. Just which would not which, practical. Which then also takes us to our, our next uh, rule spoiler they gave us, right? About yeah, tanks. which is the tanks. Yeah. And what what did they say about tanks, Paul? Uh, they said a couple things about tanks, but first off, uh, tanks are now able to fire while engaged. Thank so if, if yeah, even if you have a massive amount of little dudes running all over your tank, you can still shoot at them. You can still use your machine gun and blast some of them off. Uh, the the catch though is that you do have to fire at what you're engaged with first. Uh, the only way around that, and it's kind of wonky the way they wrote it, so uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is right. Um, they, if, if all of your other weapons are destroyed, you can use a blast weapon to shoot at something you are not engaged with. Mm-hmm. So you're mm-hmm, prioritizing mm-hmm. if you have the way to shoot them. If not, you're helping everybody else and dealing with the things crawling all over you. That's right. Yep. Um, and then they also made a change to heavy, um, right? Because if you're firing in combat, you are going to be negative one yep. to hit. Um, however, 
one of the things, and this is this is a really good change because why put a heavy weapon on a tank if you are going to suffer penalties for it for moving? Mm-hmm. Um, so no longer will you suffer a negative penalty for moving and firing a uh, heavy weapon unless you are infantry. Yeah, in- infantry keyword is now the only thing that suffers. Yeah, and that's uh, that's from the heavy. That's something that should be in there in the first place because I had gotten in an argument with somebody I remember one time I was like, dreadnought. It's a walker. It's got stabilizers. It's got all these servos yeah. and on it. I mean, that's what those things are for. Right? Like, it's like a mobile a tank, it, a dreadnought. It's a mobile shooting stuff. platform that's got built-in stabilizers and gyroscopters and all this other crap. Why would it right. have a negative one to hit? Yeah, they should have fixed this back in a in a, in a big fact in in eighth edition. But it's a good fix, and uh, it, it I think it only helps the game. Yep. I don't. I'm still not convinced I'm going to be playing 40k, but it uh, it definitely helps the game be more appealing. And it, it's a that's a fun it's a fun rule. I yeah. like the way that they've done that and abstracted it. And seeing and seeing these two new rules as well as the other rule spoilers that we've seen uh, coming out these past few weeks, definitely am in the agreement that I really don't feel like this is a ninth edition. This is really like an 8.5 kind of how i feel like sigmar 2.0 was like a 1.5 for age sigmar right yep yep and this is yeah like you said this is the true next edition of 40k they've sort of learned some lessons and they're going which is good Uh, for them instead of drastically changing a lot of times like they do and then i mean and then the last thing right so after gw i don't know that this is uh news to everybody you know it's not. It's certainly not 40k big, but uh, oh my god, Thanos! You guys, we got to see Thanos for yes. Uh, his card was spoiled. Yeah, the Thanos card spoilers for Marvel, Marvel Crisis Protocol. So, so you're far more disappoint. up on up on that game than I am, Kevin. Uh, was it good? Yes, it's very good. Um, I was actually expecting him to be a little stronger, um, but I like that he's six threat because one of his rules is that he can uh, take multiple um, gems, multiple. Uh, yeah. And since he can take multiple gems, um, infinity gems, it's a little bit scarier. Right. Right. Uh, so having him be six and then those will take him up to possibly eight points. That That's a good balance since he can take them more of them. Uh, but he has some of the most ba- like his basic attacks. His attacks, I should say, are both free. Uh, one of them has the option to add power to make the ability stronger, which is amazing on its on its own. Uh, and his basic melee action has a throw attached to it. Like his zero power ability uh, has a as a throw on the wild, which is just crazy. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. He's got good defenses, eight health, uh, medium movement on a big base, and some really, really good powers. Uh, like his uh, his agenda thing on on his uninjured side is when he KOs characters, he scores VP. Oh, jeez! So good. He's so good. Well, so the one thing I noticed about his throw specific to him is there is no base size restriction. For his oh throw. yeah, no! It's literally just before damage is dealt, throw the character, and, and which is <laughs> great within thematic because it's again him using the it's, gauntlet to do it. It's it's fucking Thanos, yeah. man. He can throw you. It doesn't matter how big you are; he can throw you. Right. Um, and I mean, he's a size three model, right? He's a big boy, so As he should be. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's Thanos. Very, very, very cool. Uh, I just wanted to talk about that because we're not going to probably talk about M- MCP until after quarantine, and that was just the most exciting thing that I'd seen in a while coming out of that game. Yeah, that was a. That was, I, I was surprised. Uh, I didn't think that we were going to see him quite so soon, uh, as far well, as spoiling. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, his his release cool. is like close. So is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Man, I'm out of it. Okay, good to know. Though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, all right, guys. Main topic time. Yeah, let's uh, do it. Let's we're going to talk about minis agnostic games because I think uh, at least Paul, you and I both agree that um, in the greater miniatures game community, uh, minis agnostic games don't get enough love. I think if you go to a big tournament or a big uh, con, right, the games you're going to see are going to be the Games Workshop games primarily. And then you're going to see the heavy hitters, right? The Privateer Press games, the Corvus Belly games, the weird games. Uh, yeah. And all of those have official model ranges. Um, right. Because let's let's face it, like everybody says about GW, these are model companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're companies yep, that make models. how they make right? their money. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, and and because of this, you know, you don't necessarily see a lot of minis agnostic games. Now we cover some. We've definitely we've done our share of coverage, and I think the people that are on our Discord know that we appreciate them, and we've got a listenership that appreciates them. Um, but I want to take some time to just talk about why we like them and what we think some of the things that might be holding them back and some of the reasons that you shouldn't let them hold you back uh, from playing them. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that pretty much sums up how we want to approach this, right? Is, yeah. is that this, at least, at least for, for Kevin and I, we're, we're still both really new to minis agnostic. Yep. Within the last year or so, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see, uh, and talk about what brought us around. Yeah. So, Paul, why don't you go ahead and, and kick us off and describe, like, what is a minis agnostic game? And to someone who's never heard that term before and is now like, what the hell are these guys talking about? What does that mean? Okay, so basically a minis agnostic game is a rule set that doesn't really care what miniatures you use. Um, and, and most of the time, most companies that make them don't make, don't make miniatures. I think Mantic is probably the exception to that. Um, so it's really about making the rule set, not making models as well. So it's, so it's a much different approach for the company, uh, as opposed to making the minis and, and having the overhead of having to sell them. Mm -hmm. And it presents some interesting design challenges, right? Because you want to make a game, but you also want to make the game appealing to a wide range of people. So you want to angle your rules in a direction where people will already own models they can use, or there are models available on the market that they can seek out and find, right? That right, will support exactly. your game. So it has some interesting design challenges. But yeah, the core tenant when we talk about a mini diagnostic game is a game that has no... Well, not, not that it doesn't have an official models range, but that it doesn't require official models to play. Right. Right. Uh, not that and, any game and, really and I requires it. I feel like it, that's the, the, the mini agnostic games with a model line. I feel like that's kind of becoming a newer phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you see, you see it some with Osprey and Frostgrave, right? There are the, the they have Northstar that produces some officially branded Frost right. Frostgrave models, um, and then like you said, Kings of War, Mantic yeah. uh, makes their own thing. But I mean, Kings of War was sort of designed as a fuck you to Games Workshop in the first place, so they expected people to be using Games Workshop models, right? Uh, and then they just also happened to be a model company, right? yeah. So think, they make some pretty good models. I think for the long time, Mantic was until like you guys are saying what until recently from what i saw because so i don't i've i'm not like you guys i haven't taken the plunge into mini agnostic games um but i think from what i've seen in the past like mantic was the only one i saw making models because i was looking at long time ago when uh, my game group in dc when i lived up there we were kind of getting frustrated and, and done with gw and somebody mentioned uh, mantic and they, i know they had like dreadball which is like a blood bowl kind of kind of mm -hmm. game that they've got and then like they had their own minis range for their 40k type game because i didn't warpath right yeah, warpath war i couldn't path. remember what it was and so which from what i understood was like and i this was this was over 10 years ago at this point in time so back then i think it was like more of a, a 3.0 like or a, a fourth edition kind of rule set that 40k had just obviously with their tweaks on it to kind of the same kind of way like that big fuck you to gw to bring those players in but uh, it's been funny because you guys have been trying to get me into kings of war big time and, and and you know you guys know i love dwarves and i've seen so many new dwarf sculpts you know between uh oathmark uh there was conquest conquest uh, there was another there was another group of dwarf models that you guys showed me, and then obviously the mantic ones that they make for their for their guys. Um, so it, it's really kind of cool to see a lot of these companies now starting to make their own models, and I think that's going to do nothing but bring in good competition for the market and and give minis players a wealth of opportunities to play so many different new games. Yeah, yeah, but, but before we get into that, you know, the benefits, because those are big benefits you're talking about. Let's, let's talk about why people are nervous about it. And I think we can, I mean, Chris, you can speak a little bit to this experience as a person who hasn't gotten mm -hmm. into them. Um, so, like, what is one of the things that makes you nervous about getting into a Benny's Agnostic game? I don't think I've ever been to a point where I've been nervous about getting into them, but I do know that one of the things that has stopped me from getting into the past is that, one, 
I just never really had friends or people to play these games with. Uh, because yeah. of the fact that the, the the groups that I was in, you know, my circle of friends, my, my group of people, you know, up until recently, that's never been a thing for us. Like, we've always either played GW games, we've played uh, Privateer Press, we played Steamforge, but there was never a point where we looked at going into it, Minis and Agnostic Game, except for that brief moment that I talked about there, like, so that's been one of the key things. The other things is me is me as a personal point. I can't, and I I know I shouldn't have my get hung up on this one thing, but for some there's something blocking me in my brain. I can't get around the fact that it feels like I'm proxying, and I hate proxying. I I yeah. I, I don't like it when I come to a game, and if I'm playing the game, like I just don't know because like I could play your Shark Kingdom boys. And I could go play someone else's Shark Kingdom boys, and their models are going to be completely different. So I'm not going to know what they are versus when I play you, and that bothers me. And that's why I, th- I just get hung up because I'd like I the something triggers on my brain like I just don't know what it is, and now I have a difficult time playing against it because maybe I don't know what that unit does. I strategize and do something wrong, throw the wrong unit at it, you know, I do a wrong tactic towards that unit because I think it's something else because the models are not consistent. Yeah, because you're not necessarily thinking about the names, you're thinking about how the models look Correct. and remembering mm-hmm. what the models look like. Right, because I'm do. I'm a visual person, so... Sure. You know, so That's actually a really interesting point, I, and I hadn't even considered that uh, as a weakness of, of miniatures agnostic games, but that's a really salient point. Um, one thing I will say, though, is that a lot of minis agnostic games, like games like Star Breach, uh, I think because of that specifically, they have m- more limited rosters. Like, the the number of options might not be quite as uh, cavernous as a game like Infinity, right? Because they want players to be able to keep the models that are available in their mind, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but another thing to think about, too, is with a game like Kings of War, when you rack up and play Kings of War, because you're playing it, you're in the frame of mind where you're like, what are your models, right? Like, And there's an expectation when you play the game. It even says it in, I think it's printed in the rules, that the games, sh- the, the models that you use should fairly easily represent what you want to use them as, so that as to not confuse your opponent. So you shouldn't be like, this group of green army men is this, and this group of green army men with grenades in their hands is different right like they want you to use visually distinct models as to not confuse your opponent and then tell your opponent exactly what your models are when you rack up but that's still you know if you if i say depth horrors to you as an opponent and you're used to playing me with my depth horrors that look like sharks and somebody pulls up and they've got like swamp creatures you might not necessarily equate those as the same models right yeah, and, yeah and, that's interesting. And, and I think that's the really the only thing that's it to me. It's just been more community and the sense of proxying that has gone again. And again, I know the latter one is is very much a me thing, just because I'm a visual person, so it's a struggle I have. Um, but it, for the most part, I think it has been uh, a community because I really have, as much as I don't like rank and flank games, um, you know, I have been looking into possibly finding dwarf models to play kings of war only because again my friends are playing it i want to hang out with my friends so i'm going to play the game that my friends are playing Uh, yes you know rank and file games rank and flank they're not my kind of games but it has led me to look at some really fucking cool the oathmark models are great that badger Mm -hmm. the badger uh Calvary unit that Mantic makes for for Kings Amazing. Wars is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know the Conquest dwarf models are are fantastic. So there, there's there's so many good um, options out there. So it's definitely something I'm looking at doing. I'm not right, and you could do and you could do that for everything, right? Like if you wanted to have the Badger Cavalry, you could use that as right. what it is by what Mantic makes it. Mm-hmm. And say you wanted you didn't you don't like the Iron Breakers, which are like the standard model, the standard dwarf infantry. So you're like, you know what? I'm not using those. I'm going to use the standard line infantry from Conquest and, as my Iron Breakers. And that's actually uh, exactly that's totally what I was, legal. That's exactly what I was thinking about doing was. Taking the conquest wars. If I was going to do this, the conquest wars would be my 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 rank and flank ones. There was a, I don't think it was Oathmark. There was a different company that made dwarf models, and they were basically dwarf slayers 
from uh, from GW, but they were their models. But that's exactly I was like, I gotta have a unit of but those then, guys. But then if you and if you wanted to have some dwarf berserkers, and I don't even know what that what that's abstracted as in Kings of Works. I'm not looking at the rules, and I haven't really done much diving into dwarves. But then you could use fire slayers, right? Right. You could buy a start collecting box or like just a unit of fire slayer berserkers, mm-hmm. and then boom, there you go. Yeah. Right. You've got your unit. And I know a lot of it. The the conversation that we had with uh, Britt on our Discord because he was the one that was showing me a lot of these dwarf models. Him and I were having that conversation before. You know, my my kid convinced me to start. You know, buying GW models again so to play with him. Um, you know, back then it was more along the lines of me not even looking at GW as an option because I just didn't want to give them money. But now that sure. I am, I already told Paul, like, I'm even looking at Sigmar now because, like, if I'm taking the leap, I might as well play the better game. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Um, but we'll wait till ninth edition to call that for sure, I guess. Uh, but, Paul, back to the, the weaknesses, the things that, that people, you know, might settle back on with Manny's Diagnostics. What's another one? So one of the things for me, and... Um it kind of ties into what Chris is saying. So I, I think I've always thought of them in a, in a parallel way to Chris um, is that you have to sit there and you have to figure out what you're getting, you know, like, like, like you said, being able to, to go and, and say, okay, well, this is, this model is, is akin to these so I can get those. Right. So you have to do a lot more thinking in your process of going from, I'd like to play this game to actually playing it as opposed to if you're buying a miniature line for a game that's already established, you go and you buy those miniatures. And you buy the miniature you want, right? Like right. if if you want a Macreep tracker for Infinity, you go buy the Macreep tracker, right? You don't right. have to exactly. worry about what model you want to present it. You can just go and buy that model. Exactly. And that was kind of, that was kind of always the thing that I got I got hung up with a lot because it's like I just want to know what to buy. Like like even if you just tell me like, "Hey, if you're buying this range, buy these guys." You know what yeah. I mean? Like like I didn't want to have to put that thought into it. And it was kind of like even going from 40k to uh, playing privateer press games, right? Playing playing Warmer Hordes. Since your units and models didn't have upgrades, um, you know, once once a model was on the table, you knew exactly what it was, right? So I think yeah. it was also a little bit of an extension of, of that idea right from there um, of just, just knowing things, you know. And like, like Chris said, also, it kind of ties into that whole proxy thing. Like, I feel like, is this the right thing? Right. Um, but you know, and that's part of a thing. You just have to ditch it, right? You just have to ditch that mindset, especially you know, oh, yeah. games and like Star and, Breach. Because yeah, people get hung up is, on that. People th- are like... Yeah, that's Sorry, absolutely man. zero on the rule set. That is that is entirely my hang-up. Well, and it, it's you know it's I mean? not like, it's not a, a uncommon hang-up because you know I I you know chill in a lot of places online where people talk about miniatures games, uh, and I've seen a lot of people you know they're just getting in the Star Breach and they're like, hey, uh, I'm playing Star Breach and I've got all these m- Marines. What army should I use them as? And I always want to be like. Bro, whatever the fuck you want. Right. Like right. you don't you, you don't use them as the time use, lords if you want. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to use them for any specific thing. That's the glory here. Like, do you have a bunch of melee centric like wolfen like space marines? Uh like space wolves? Badass. Now do you have a a, a captain uh, space wolf that's got like a chain sword and a gun. All right, cool. Now you've got a range of path models and you can use those as either light path or dark path or whatever you want to do because you have all these melee centric guys and those are melee centric armies uh, for star breach. Um, so, you know, there's just a lot, you don't have to be stuck in a box um, and that's going to, th- th- that gives us back to the benefits of minis agnostic games. So let's talk about some of those benefits. The first one is like a lot of us that have been in this hobby, like the reason I think that I've really, really jumped into these uh, miniatures agnostic games is my collection has become unwieldy um, in a lot of places. Right. And the great thing about minis agnostic games is I can pick up one of these rule books and then I can just look at my collection of models. Like look at my undead army for Kings of war. Like, it, it was just, uh, it was a, a you know, a hundred gorgeous Games Workshop models that were just sitting in a box in my basement, unpainted and sad. <laughs> right. Uh, 
And now they're painted up, they're on bases, they've got a brand new life, and being able to use the minis you already have is a huge advantage. Um, like, you guys are getting into Infinity now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So by getting into Infinity, you are also, by proxy, getting into Star Breach or Reality's Edge, uh, like, just instantaneously. Yeah, and, and the cool thing, too, is that you can mix and match. Yeah. So there's no reason why I can't have, you know, a cool Infinity model running around with, you know, a Necron model that I, I absolutely love. Yep, that's I, 100% yeah, I was, correct. I was just about to say that you can mix and match them with your Necrons if you wanted. And if you think about a game like Star Breach, since we've been harping on that one, you've even got factions that are, like, literally space truckers, right? Or, or you know, like, out-of-sorts rebels, Uh and they're going to have like a, a unique bunch, you know, a motley crew. Uh, and because there's going to be a motley crew, you can use whatever the models you want together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's, and that's what's nice about it, right? Is that it gives you that, gives you that leeway. I mean, just a, as another example for Kings of War there, I saw once uh, one of the most liked posts I ever saw in Kings of War fanatic fanatics is somebody based up a bunch of minions like <laughs> like from despicable me minions uh-huh. they just they had them distinct enough so oh, that Jesus. like you could look at them and know like they were like this group of minions that looks very distinct because of the way that they were arranged and the way they were used like these are my standard ogres these yep. are my ogre oh, hunters oh my god they like, minions ogres <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are these are my giants, and they were just bigger giant minion toys. Minion toys. Amazing. Jeez. Yeah, I hate minions, and I thought that was an amazing army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would not. So cool. I would not be able to play that person seriously because I would just be yelling banana at them all time, all the entire time. <laughs> but but uh, but that's what that guy wants, Chris. Right. Like, I, I mean, again, that's why yeah, he made that model. Yeah, that's exactly what they're going for. You know, and that's another thing. I mean, maybe we'll get more into it. We'll we'll get into it. I'll save this for later. We'll get into it later, I'm sure. All right. Um, so another benefit. Um, these are inexpensive games to get into for the most part. Um, like if we think about Kings of War, just as an example, right? So think about the hobby and let's let's go from like the, che- the, the most expensive to the cheapest entries into this hobby. Uh, and so the most expensive way to get into the miniature game hobby has got to be a rank and flank game, right? Like if you're talking about like uh, playing, uh, you know, eighth edition Warhammer Fantasy, you were if you want an army, you were plunking down eight, nine hundred dollars. Right. Easy. Mm-hmm. Easy. Oh, yeah. Right. And so Kings of War, uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, I spent a little over a hundred bucks on models for a game that's dead. Right. Um, because they were on clearance and I have a full, I mean, I, I I think when I added it all up, I have over 3000 points of models for a game that requires a 2000 point army. Uh, Potter, check your phone. So a hundred bucks, right? Which is just so cool. Um, and, and going on the cheaper spectrum, right? We can think of a game like star breach, uh, and so you could buy the Starbreach rulebook, and there's a faction in the Starbreach rules called the Hunters, and you can play the Hunters with three models. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at the banana pictures that was just sent. <laughs> I, I yeah, I sent him the sent picture the of that minion army. Oh, the minions, yeah, there it's it's super cool, right? Yeah, I love it. It's hilarious. Um. So yeah, that, 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 well, and like I said, you know, you go from the cheap, the very inexpensive to the, like even the games that would normally cost you many, many hundreds of dollars to get into, you can get into for not a lot. And that's even buying official Mantic models. You can get into these games for cheaper and the rule books. The point here is that the rule books and the off brand models are usually much less expensive. Yeah. And especially since that's obviously you know, the way that these companies, for the most part, like something like Starbreach are making their money is, you know, just rule books. You know, they're not yeah, selling like, any other products. You know, right. So that's, you know, the bulk of their income is you just buying their rule book. Yeah. And they're, so and they're Osprey, cheap. Yeah. So Osprey is a totally great example. Uh, um, most Osprey rule books cost like, like between, so the blue books are like between 15 and $20, which are the soft cover blue back books or blue spined books. And then they have their hardcover books, which are 30. Um, but I mean, these are like 
badass rule books. We've talked about a few of these games, right? We've talked about Gaslands in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an Osprey game. Uh, Frostgrave, huge game. Both Frostgrave and, and Ghost Archipelago, both Osprey published. Um, Burrows and Badgers, uh, Reality's Edge, all these games are Osprey published games. And like you said, they're doing it to, to you know, sell books. They're, they're selling books. Oh, Last Days. Last Days by Ash Barker. Another really, really cool rule set. Uh, Minis Agnostic, $30 rule book. You can get it for, like, much less than that if you shop around. Well, so. yeah, and I mean, it's, again, $30 rule book for a hardback for a lot of these games where, you know, many of us have been used to, for buying Privateer Press and, and GW hardbacks books, paying 50, 60, 50, 60 sometimes $90. Mm-hmm. For some yeah. of these hardback yep. books, depending on the company, I mean, it... and then you still got to buy all those official models, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and oh. here, here's another benefit of that um, is that since they're not making models, they're not overbloating their line for the sake of having models. Yep. To yeah. Produce. No skew yeah. bloat, bloat, bloat. I can yeah. speak words. And also, yeah, the games tend to be more balanced. Or at least there, there's an attempt to make them balanced, right? Because well, be, they're, yeah, because they're not constantly putting out new models. things mm-hmm. to yeah. adjust that. Yeah, yeah, they can yeah. they can they keep the keep same. Yeah, they can keep the same core units. Maybe add something as time goes on if they want to. But sure. yeah, I mean, you're not and, since you're not trying to sell models, you're not worried about introducing new rules and balance. So yeah, you can keep a game balanced for decades if you wanted to. Yeah, and generally what you see, and a, and a really good example of this is is with Frostgrave, is that the the way that that game is sustained over time is a the book keeps selling right because the word of mm-hmm. mouth gets out, and that's probably like I would stake money that Kings of War and uh, and Frostgrave are the two most popular minis agnostic games, um, and the way that Frostgrave stays relevant is that that Joe Abercrombie the or uh, I think that's his name he's the the author. Uh, puts out supplements that have uh, campaign rules or tons of new scenarios or rules for new monsters, rules for new mm-hmm. wizards and, and model types. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're able to support the game that way. Yeah. Because I mean, they're not, they're, there's a lot that goes into a production of a model. Um, you know, you have to pay somebody to sculpt it. You have to, you know, produce the mold and all that stuff. Plus, you have I, to house it. Yeah, I want to correct know? myself. Joe McCullough. I like just like pulled over my book. I was like, God damn it! it Joe McCullough is the author of Frostgrave. <laughs> uh, Joe I was Abercrombie thinking, is is the uh, author of uh, fantasy first novels. Law. Yeah, yeah, first yeah, yeah. first law trilogy. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't uh, totally out of depth, my depth there, but it, it was at least a writer. <laughs> yeah, I want to make sure I give the the author credit where credit is due. Um, Joe McCullough, also the author of Oathmark, which uh, Potter mentioned a little bit, and Rangers of Shadowdeep. Um, So uh, uh, a very um, productive writer. Yeah, fairly prolific at this point. Yeah, I would say so. Um, But guys, the most important part of miniatures agnostic games, and I think the, the most important benefit is that you can use exactly what you want, right? If there's a range and you don't like a model, right, that sucks. Because you're like, you know, I love this faction. And and I'll give you an example. Uh, My Adeptus Custodes, I love them. I love the Adeptus Custodes from Games Workshop. They are super cool. But they use uh, dreadnoughts that are the Horus Heresy looking dreadnoughts. And they're ugly as shit and I hate them. Mm -hmm. And I I just don't want to use it. I would rather use like a Redemptor because it's a cooler model to me. Um, but I can't because that's not the model that's representative of that force. Um, and that shit does not matter in a game, in a, in a mini agnostic game, you use exactly what you want. And as long as you can justify it in your head, that's all that matters. Right. Yeah. I was about to say like the, so what I, the point I was going to make earlier was kind of what you're starting to get onto chops is the, the, the freedom that you have when it comes to model building, it is is so open when it comes to these mini agnostic games because so something like kings of war where it's encouraged for you to make these giant display boards for your army 
And whereas a lot of these other games, like, yes, you can do it, but you have to try and fit the models in such a specific way on your display board because of the fact that you need, you can't have them on those giant display pieces when you're playing the game. Like something like he's word, it opens up the opportunity for the modeling, the, the hobbyist to come and play, not just the, the, the war gamer side of it, which speaks to me as someone that enjoys more of the building and the painting process than I do playing the games like you it just oh these these mini agnostic games open up the world for your conversions they've opened up the world for your your painting your schemes your themes because you now you're not like oh well i want to play imperial fist so i probably should play the, the studio paint scheme for it because they're imperial fist or my opponent won't know that i'm playing imperial fist you can open up like i'm going to play space marines and these are now you know time lords like we mentioned from star breach the kind of thing like it's that it opens the breadth of what you can do. And I, I really enjoy that aspect of seeing yeah, the beholden. possibilities. You're beholden to no one. Right. Yep. Except for your own creativity, which I, I mean, that's a little off putting, I think for some people. Right. Cause like well, I said, yeah, and well, that was, that was my thing was that's scary to me. Yeah. Right. Just not knowing uh, how to go about doing that and having to put in that thought and put in that effort. It, it really did. Like, and I knew that all these cool rule sets were out there, but I, know, I, I stayed away from it. What I would do, though, is equate it to your first time playing D&D in public. Like, I don't know how many people have actually played, you know, in like Adventures Leagues or things like that. The first time you go to one of those, it's really nerve wracking because you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, how do I fill out this character sheet? What if these people think that I don't know what I'm talking about because I've only played in house games before? I don't know what this is going to be like. But mm -hmm. then you get there once and you realize no one gives a fuck. As long as your character is cool to you, that's all that matters. Um, and it's that it's the same lesson you'll learn the first time you get into a mini agnostic game is that really what's going to happen is you're going to plop your models down in front of your your opponent and describe what they are. And your opponent's going to be like, rad. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That's just all there is to it. And, and I think since you both know, you're both going to ask the question more if you're unsure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that may be, and that's probably true. You know, and I think for me, it would be just more along the lines of getting over my own anxiety of it. Um, for me, again, personal me, but I, I can definitely see that where th it would be more open conversation because of the fact that it is such a, it, it is such a hobbyist kind of game. You know, everything is going to be different. Yeah. Which is both yes, both uh, like exciting and frightening to me. <laughs> it, and and I think the frightening goes away the second you jump into your first one, honestly, because that's what happened to me, right? It was like a fucking bag of Lay's potato chips. I fucking tried one <laughs> mini agnostic game and now that's all I want to play. Like, I'm thinking, like, what am I going to do when I get back to the store? Like, yeah, I want to play a game of Malifaux. Yeah, I want to play a game of Marvel Crisis Protocol. But as soon as those are out of the way, I have, like, nine mini agnostic games that are just, like, lining up on my agenda to play. Oh, also Carnival. God damn, I want to play Carnival so bad. That's a whole nother subject in another episode, though. Um but going back to, to Minis Agnostic, right? So let's one other benefit that we didn't write down and is occurring to me as I'm actually looking at the next topic for discussion, which is talking about Minis Agnostic rule sets, is one of the really great things about these Minis Agnostic games is there is truly a, a bird of every color, right? What, whatever setting or, or theme or thing you want to explore there is a mini agnostic game that you can buy that will allow you to buy some models you've always wanted to or whatever, um, or use some models you have for a different purpose. Uh, and I think with that in mind, we should just end the show by hitting on and then briefly describing a few so that people understand exactly the breadth of, of what's available in these game systems. And we're not going to hit every mini agnostic rule set. It's impossible. Like just Osprey has like 30 of them. Yeah. Um, but we should talk about some of the ones, especially that, that we like on the show and that are more of the popular ones. So, so Paul, why don't you lead us off with one that's near and dear to your heart? Uh, all right. The, the first one, uh, that I ever jumped into chain of command, uh, very near and dear, because not only did that bring me into minis agnostic, but it also taught me the joy of historical gaming. And it, and it's it was exactly that same idea of going oh my god how do I figure out all these these things, but what I realized with that game was that the rule set was phenomenal right mm -hmm. off the bat, mm -hmm. um, and and again since it's historical it makes sense to not make rule set because it's not like or to make miniatures because it's not like you're 
introducing new things, right? It, it is what it is. Um, so it made a lot of sense for these guys just to just to make a, a, a good rule set and they can focus on that. Um, and it's an incredible game because of that. So there you go. Right off the bat, Minis Agnostic, World War II. World War II, huge setting in the game. If we think about World War II games, that's one, like, historical games is one of the biggest features of miniature gaming. Um, so right off the bat, you've got a Minis Agnostic set that plays at different scales. So you can play Chain of Command with your 28 mil models, 15 mil mm-hmm. models, whatever you want. Yep. Yeah, so which means that you can go, you can go buy a bunch of Flames of War minis, you can buy Bolt, Bolt Action, action. minis. They're, they're, they're out there. I mean, you can even, uh, depending on what's, if you can find the right scale, you could even go and find, you know, traditional uh, modeling kits yeah. and use them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, like G.I. Joe's. If you want to get a bigger scale, you could put sure. it on some bases and play with G.I. Joe's on a huge board. Why not? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot you can do with Chain of Command. All right. So, uh, World War II, we got that covered. Uh, let's go, let's go sci-fi and we can go a couple different directions. So, uh, we talked about star breach a lot, mm-hmm. man. Star breach is amazing. We have an episode on it where we interviewed Chris from slow death games. I would encourage you to go listen to it. It's a very good game. Um, we'll do another episode that sort of di- dives deeper into the mechanics, the army lists, the things we really love about it. Um, but the, the base, the thing here is that it, in star breach, the author was very, um, smart in the way that he designed the the armies that are in this game because most of them fit themes that are available already off the shelf. Yeah. For So if you have Games Workshop models, there's an army list you can use. If you've got some Star Wars Legion models, there's an army you can use, and they fit, like, right on the face. Like, you did, as you read it, you're like, oh, these are Jedi. Yep. <laughs> like, it's, uh, or like, oh, these are Space Marines. But you don't have to. That's the beauty, right? You're not chained to it, but you can use it. Um, so your sci-fi minis in all sorts, like your infinity models, your Warhammer 40 K models, your Legion, whatever you've got, you can use them in star breach hundred percent. You got the, you know, go, go, going back to, to chain of command real quick. One of the things that I loved about buying my bolt action minis for that was that I was like, all right, I'm buying one set of minis and I'm getting, I'm able to play two games with them. Yeah. Yep. Now you can play bolt action too. Yep. Yeah. And speaking on the star breach stuff, you know, if you've got some of those, uh, starship trooper models, you can use those too. Oh hell yeah! You can't either side. Right, bugs, uh, bugs or e- marines. Yeah, bugs or marines. There's an army in Starbreach for you. Uh, yeah, hundred. And there's actually like multi. You could. There's a couple ways you could play the bugs and the humans. Honestly, mm-hmm. yeah. Like why not? Um, cool. So Starbreach. Also, if you're a person that's into you know the more cyberpunky stuff, you can get into Reality's Edge. Uh, so Reality's Edge is a game deep, deep, cavernously deep game. Rulebook's like three, three or 400 pages. Huge. Damn. Tons of gear, Ooh. cybernetics, implants, ways to play Link scenarios, tons of scenarios, tons of different things you can buy, ways you can play. You can be a person that's, you know, their consciousness is out on the internet and how that affects the board state. And like, there's just so much in there. So if Cyberpunk is your jam, uh, boy, that is a game for you. And it's out there and you can use any Cyberpunk minis you want. Now, what type so, of what like, type of style of game is that? It's a D10 skirmish game. Okay. Uh, skirmish style D10 based. Um, it's and it's f- fascinating. There's all and and if you like Reality's Edge, there is uh, it's based off of a rule set called This Is Not a Test, uh, which Dude, is TNT a, is awesome. Which is yeah, Fallout sort of like post-apocalyptic style game. Mm. Yeah, I, I I did a demo of that one year at Nova, and it was just absolutely fascinating so if you like this is not a test reality's edge is the same author and it's uh it's while not the same game the core rule the 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 resolution system is the same uh and a lot of the themes of how the game sort of runs are the same it's just you know it's it's got a cyberpunk coat of paint and rules that complement the armaments and modifications that people in a cyberpunk reality would have sure that's neat. Yeah. So I would encourage you to buy that rule book, Paul. It's like 32 bucks on Amazon. Uh, Reality's Edge. Um, now we're going to move in like a- another direction. So you want high fantasy, right? Boom. Frostgrave. 
Frostgrave is like mages coming into a frozen city and basically pillaging this frozen city for its its artifacts. And that same rule set has a sister rule set called Ghost Archipelago, which is all pirate and swashbuckler and sort of even like Avatar the Last Airbender themed. Honestly, if you've ever played Ghost Archipelago, you know what I'm talking about. The heritors, like the heroes in that game, feel a lot like benders. Um, and it's a sim- those are three by three skirmish games. And in, like I said, that traditional high fantasy or that high seas fantasy, whatever you want, boom, it's there. So if you've got some buccaneer looking models, you're in. Um, and friend, fuck man. Uh, the ghost archipelago game has dinosaurs and lizard men and all sorts of rules in the rule book. So you can just get as creative as you want. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, does that take us into some rank and flank fantasy too? Yeah, dude. So what do you got for rank and flank? Well, obviously, um, well, I'll let you guys talk about Kings of war, but, uh, (laughs) I'll address hordes of the things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which uh, now this this is fascinating, right? Because I I had no idea of this game uh, except Aaron got into it on and has been talking about it on Discord, um, and so uh, you know basically it's it's what it's uh, six to fifteen millimeter scale. Uh, just and what's really neat is that it's a rule set that came out in ninety one. It's old. Yeah, it's old, but since. There's no overhead for actually having a model line. It still exists, right? Minimal changes. Yep. Um, so, and, and what's really cool about this one is it's rank and flank, but in the rule book, they cover so many different things, right? Um, it uh, mo- mostly it focuses mostly on you know sci- or fantasy rank and flank games. Um, you know, lizard men and dwarves and elves and knights and all that type of stuff. But then they also take you into using like quasi historical models for it. Um, there's an example of using uh, Discworld, uh, Terry Pratchett. Um, mm-hmm. There's a whole whole setup for using uh, Hyborian uh, armies. Um, yep. even, and they even, they even have a, have a section in there where it's talking about, okay, you want to play it as a zombie apocalypse. Here's how you use this rank and flank game for zombie apocalypse. Yep. And, and that um, actually reminds me just to go back to star breach for a minute. There's a group of people that play the star breach rules and they've modified the armies to be the houses from Dune. Ha! So yes, they're nice. using star breach as a way to play out battles in Dune. Yeah. Which is, which is really cool. So, mm-hmm. so, so Paul, I'm going to already let you know, you've, you've, piqued my interest with how to play Hyborian armies in your in your your that game Conan is one of those things that I, I love so so and here's the thing with it Chris is that the overall units and how they function are are super generic mm-hmm. right so it's almost like chess where if you have a type of unit whether I have a dwarf or uh, and you have a lizard man they still function the same Gotcha. So if I want to play lizard men and you want to play Hyborian, blades are blades, right? Yep. Blades okay. are we blades. Play. Cavalry is cavalry. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's just. It's just. It's. It's literally like having a different skin. Hmm. You know, like a different skin on the game. And it's like I was talking to Jesse the other day, and we were talking about people getting into games, and talking about how the the recommendation is always, oh, just you know, buy buy what you think looks cool. But the downside to that is you might not find that that play style is enjoyable to you. Right. And then you have all this stuff that you got that looked cool. Yep, yeah. Here, in this game, it doesn't matter. You're only getting what you think looks cool because regardless of what looks cool, it functions the same way. Yep. I like, the, awesome. I like the idea of that. It's awesome. Uh, also, if we want to get into some rank and flank and we want to talk about 28 millimeter, uh, we can talk about Kings of War. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Uh, and so Kings of War is a rank and flank game where it uh, it's a fully modern rule set that's inspired by rank and flank games of the past. So if you would loved Warhammer Fantasy, oh boy, this is a game you might like. Um, and you can use your Warhammer Fantasy Battles armies to play Kings of War. So if somehow you ha- you're you sitting... Did, you didn't burn them. Yeah, and, and, yeah, right. Well, wow, that's a famous video. <laughs> oh my God, that, I was like bringing that video back, huh? 
Yeah, burning a thousand dollars of like dark elf models. Oof, what oh, an man. idiot! My anyway. heart broke. Yeah. My heart broke. Well, I, I just don't. I don't understand it. But Kings of War is here for you, man. Um, it is a thoroughly modern and very very cool rule set, while still keeping its feet firmly in that like well entrenched fantasy battles past. Hell, the first draft of the rules was written by Alessio Cavatore. The writer of 8th ed fantasy <laughs> warhammer fantasy i think fifth through 8th ed right so it, the the design chops are there um also we have oathmark um from joe mccullough who we talked about with Frostgrave, uh and oathmark um i think we'll probably at some point talk about more in depth um but is a rank and flank game it's fascinating um in that it has really strict rules about how you create your ranks and flanks and, and what those army sizes are, um, but has a really cool morale system where depending on that, like all your troops have a certain level of morale. And when, whenever you activate a troop, cause it's alternating out activations unit by unit. And when you activate a, a unit, you roll a die. And if you roll under their command, they can only do a basic action where if you roll above their command, they can take a full activation. And if they have a hero next to them within a certain, certain range they use the heroes lower value and have a higher chance of activating and that's like the the way that it, it simulates fog of war uh so you can have this a, another really good uh rank and flank game in oathmark if you want one of those too that's uh, pretty cool hmm. i yeah. like the sound of that interesting yeah yeah i so hadn't, I hadn't looked into oathmark cool. anything inside the models when Britt mentioned it to me so that's really cool to hear yeah, and that's um, what, and that's what's really cool about this, right? Look at these look at these unique rule sets that never would have existed because of all the overhead of having to have a miniature line. Yeah, and and now you know, I as much as I love Kings of War and I love Starbreach, I want to talk about the game that brought me into miniatures agnostic games and has a very close and special part in my heart. Uh, even though I haven't played it a ton, I have a lot of converted minis for it, and that's Gaslands. Yeah, which uses Hot Wheels. Uh, and then parts that you shirk off other models you have in your collection. So, man, what a fucking cool game. So, vehicular combat. There you go. Destruction derby style machine guns and oil slicks and rocket launchers and flamethrowers on cars, man. Uh, and you can and and it's already set up to scale up to uh, using your 40k tanks well, and yeah. everything like that. Yep, so. there, that, that all exists, so you can yep. do it. And there's even it even tells you how to do it in the rule book, like how yep. you take the templates and you just increase the size of them by a specific ratio, and you're playing 28 mil. Um, yeah, and then the last one I want to touch on, guys, because this is a unique one, uh, and it's 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 just to it, it's a way of me telling you how vast this this ocean is when you start looking at these miniatures agnostic games uh and that's burrows and badgers mm -hmm. um, and so burrows and badgers is another skirmish game um but if you think about red wall the the children's book series you're not far off if you've ever wanted to play in that or like secret of nim if you've wanted to play skirmish battles in that setting burrows and badgers is your game um there's a supported line of models with like badger knights and uh like possum mages and pug fighters and all sorts of stuff um like there's a there's an otter pirate right there's just like tons of models that you can get um that are sort of officially made for burrows and badgers but also reaper bones makes a ton of anthropomorphized models uh and also my so my burrows and badgers army is the dungeons and doggos from steamforged mm -hmm. um and, 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 and again, you want to play in that setting, bam, you can do it. Uh, it's right here for you. Squirrel Knight. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Bros and Badgers rules. And it, it's just another example where whatever the thing that you want to do, whatever the a, uh, sort of like place in high fantasy or sci-fi or the real world you want to exist and play in, it's here, man. Um, if you like like roadside picnic stuff, like, uh, like the movie Roadside Picnic, right? Or uh, the Annihilation, that movie. There's a miniatures agnostic game called Zona Alpha that's based off the Roadside Picnic uh, sort of uh, sci-fi subgenre. Uh, it's just all out there for you. And I, I can't recommend diving, like thinking about what's interesting to you and then diving in and finding a game that supports your interest. Yeah, and that and that and that's really the key, right? Is that there's something out there for you. Yep. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. You can play. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm just. 
I'm just in shock and awe over these badgers, burrow and badgers minis. <laughs> but so my daughter is literally reading the Redwall books right now, and like I loved those books when I was a kid. So this is just. Well, we'll talk. Well, look, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, Potter. I've been looking for a reason to paint up my dungeons and doggos. So uh, I'm in. More, more, well, more. Thanks, chops. More money I gotta spend. Well, these are actually not that expensive. They're not. I mean, they're two, they're three pounds uh, yeah. on the Oathsworn website. So I mean, you yeah, they're could, not bad. You could really get a put a pretty decent order in to to offset the shipping cost. Yep. Um, yeah, and they're, they're gorgeous minis, and it's a good rule set. We'll, we'll talk about it after the episode, and honestly, I'm looking at the hardcover, and I've got uh, a local that really wants to play a game of Burrows and Badgers with me, so once I get a couple games in, we'll probably talk about it more, because it's just, it's such a cool, unique thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, and we didn't even talk about Last Days and, like, all the other awesome games that are out there. Um, but so Dragon my, Rampant. Oh, yeah, just, man. There's just so many. Uh, fighting fantasy dude there's just so many so many oh uh saga right saga is technically a mini minis agnostic game too even though gripping beast makes a uh, a set of models for it so dude yes um minis agnostic awesome fucking the way to go uh i'm obsessed with minis agnostic games now i'm not gonna quit my you know uh mi- badass miniature ranges and other games that have full support but I just, I can't stop loving these games. Um, and that's my final thought is that they are, it is just a, a, there's an overwhelming fountain of amazing games to be played with the miniatures you already own or only the models that you want to buy and paint. So bam. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my final thought is one miniature, two games. I'm in. <laughs> uh, mine, uh, you've given me a lot to think about, especially now that I've, been buying into you know space marines again and what i can do for them and that that burrows and badgers man i'm looking forward to looking at that with my kids and see what they think all right cool uh i'm gonna throw a big thank you to our patrons if i sound any better tonight uh that is because of you guys Uh, i got some new recording equipment um and should it all work out we'll actually all have new recording equipment pretty soon um, so the podcast will sound that much better thanks to your support. So again, uh, from the bottom of our hearts, guys, thank you. Um, thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, the fact that you guys are downloading the show every day keeps us doing this every week. Um, thank you to Static as a City for our amazing intro and outro music. Uh, as always, and possibly most importantly, please join our Discord server. Uh, it's a great community. Um, I think we've built something really cool, uh, and I really love the conversations that we're all having on there every day. So join the Discord. There'll be a link in the description for the podcast. Uh, finally, check us out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram. all that shit. Yep. Yep. All, especially Instagram, because that's where you're going to be able to see all of our painted minis. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. That's uh, a three-minute war game at all those places. So yep. please come and check us out. Um, and that's uh, that'll wrap us up for tonight. Bye! It's working now. Yeah, I got him good. Bloop, bloop. <laughs> bloop, bloop is the best mic test. Bloop, bloop. <laughs> bloop, bloop. Mic check. Aha, aha. Bloop, bloop. The, the bloop, right, bloop is yeah. the splooshes of mic checks. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense to me, I think. Wow. Actually, yeah, this should be fine. It's just like, if I, aha. Yeah, that goes right almost to the red line. So I just have to be careful.